Hello, welcome to Moms Changing the World. This is your host, Akua Walker, Child Development Nurse Practitioner and CEO, Chief Encouragement Officer, introducing the new podcast, which is the place for moms to find encouragement, hope, and inspiration, where we're supporting moms in the trenches of motherhood. You will receive practical tips and strategies to address the developmental needs of your children with a positive parenting perspective in mind. Here at Moms Changing the World, we are moms on the journey of changing the world, one child at a time, one day at a time. Hello, and welcome again to Moms Changing the World. This is your host, Akua Walker, Pediatric Nurse Practitioner and CEO, Chief Encouragement Officer. And today's episode is going to be quite the treat. I am so excited to introduce Deb Porter, who is a mentoring coach, one who shares my heart for supporting moms in the business of motherhood, which is uh, such a joy and has its unique challenges along the way. And so I've, you know, we planned a a really great time asking her to share some of her tools and strategies as we discuss today. To give you a little bit of her background, Deborah Porter is the ultimate list maker, system creator, and investigator of anything that will make things run smoother at home and in life. From new mom to empty nester, Deborah has employed strategies along the way while being married for 30 years to her college sweetheart and raising three children of her own. Having systems in place allowed her to achieve her personal goals while making room for herself in every phase of motherhood. Deborah is the founder of Mom's Mentoring Circle, where she coaches and mentors moms who have lost themselves in motherhood and are ready to connect with the woman they were before having kids. That girl still matters, and Deborah is ready to help you find her. Deborah is a regular contributor on WTVR's Virginia this morning. 2020 will definitely go down in the history books. For all of the world changes due to the pandemic and the overwhelm, surprise, and challenge that it presented to us, there were a few silver linings and opportunities that rose up in the year. This podcast, you know, Moms Changing the World, as I've shared, is definitely one of those things that came up. And it really, and for many people, there are things that were launched and were born out of the challenges of the year. And so for me, I was able to step into and step out of my comfort zone by reaching out to really, you know, share my voice in this way, as well as finding other moms who are sharing their voice and supporting moms to be their best. And so we have the same mentor, Mia Redrick. Shout out to her, who has brought us together in the Giants Mentoring Circle, where there are so many moms who uh, share the same heart for uh, bringing our gifts and talents to other moms so that they can be their best as well. So I'm very excited to have you joining us here today to share, you know, your unique way of bringing the story and the strategies for moms forward. 
Welcome. Good to have you. Good morning. It is so good to be here. How are you today? And happy new year to you. (laughs) Yes. Yes. We are recording this at the top of the year and uh, happy new year as well to you. You know, we have, we've turned the corner. We've, you know, put 2020 behind us and we are solidly into 2021 as this goes out. And, you know, there's, there's some, some great things that we can take with us, you know, as we're, we're moving forward. And so I'm very excited to, to share some of those, those things. And, and, you know, really, as we're looking at how we can make 2021 the best year ever, I think we can, as moms, help each other do that. So Deborah, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how your life is these days? Absolutely. So uh, I'm a native New Yorker, born and raised in New York, currently living in uh, Northern Virginia. I've adopted DC as my second home now. Met my husband when we met in college at Virginia Commonwealth University many, many moons ago. And we left the East Coast for a while, lived in the Midwest for about 10 years for a job transfer for him, but always knew we'd come back to the DC area. It's where our families are. My husband's from the DC area. My mom has now retired to the DC area and it allows us to be a little bit closer to New York where two of our three kids live and then my extended family. But you know, we're empty nesters. Our three children are adults and living on their own, paying their own bills which is the biggest raise Hallelujah. you'll ever get. Hallelujah. Yes. <laughs> so so we're, we're enjoying empty nesting and it's provided me the opportunity to really support moms that are on this journey, wherever they are in motherhood, whether it's new mom to empty nest and you know, really just reminding moms and helping them put the systems in place that help them not forget themselves. You know, I always say that motherhood is the one job you give your absolute all to you put all of your heart and soul into it only to work yourself out of that job. That, that mm-hmm. really is the ultimate goal for them to launch and not That's need right. our daily input. So I like to just remind moms, you know, remember that, remember that they're not here to stay. They're not yours forever. So what are you doing to nurture and nourish yourself for what your next might be? Yeah, yeah, we are stewards of of the children that are blessed to, you know, be in our home or around our home, and um, that that is a a really important thing to keep in mind because I think especially now where you know some adult children are moving back home or have have stayed home, you know, there's there's some different dynamics around uh, adulthood. Some that are specifically related to you know 2020, but some that are kind of a, a pattern over the generations. And so, yeah, the, the temporary nature, you know, even if they're, they're still close by or, or living with uh, or living far, you know, the, the job of being a mom shifts and changes and evolves. It does. There. It does. And, and we don't always see those shifts and changes coming. I think we mentally know that that's going to happen. You know, I remember as my children went from being kids into these young adults And, you know, I would tease them and say, you know, as soon as I figured out how to parent children, you guys grew up on me. (laughs) Like, what's happening? Um, Because there is a there's a shift when it comes to parenting adult children. Um, You you know, it's very, very different than parenting, um, you know, younger kids. So, you know, there's there's always a shift and a change and we just got to be be able to go with it. Right, right. And that yeah, kind of ties into, you know, did you always want to be a mom? And is motherhood what you expected? 
You know, I, I'm sure as a little girl, I wanted to be a mom. I had, you know, my little babies that I carried around. But I think as I got to high school and even moving into college, that really wasn't what I was thinking about in the moment, right? I was not thinking about marriage and motherhood. I really was thinking about what did I want to do with my life? How did I want to impact the world? What differences did I want to make? How did I, you know, how did I want to show up? What footprint did I want to leave? So I would say, yes, I wanted to, but I would also say that there were years when I was not, that that wasn't first and foremost on, on my mind for sure. But I think, you know, becoming a mother, I, you know, I'm a New Yorker. Right. So I'm, I got a, a hard outer shell. I'm, I can pretty much take, I can take a lot, but I think one main thing that motherhood taught me was the importance of vulnerability. And I really had to learn that in my motherhood journey because, you know, I don't know, if, I always say it's because I'm a New Yorker, but surely it's because of how I, I made as well. But I was not very comfortable or used to being vulnerable and staying in that space without feeling uncomfortable. And that was one of the things that motherhood taught me for sure that has now impacted and benefited me in other areas of my life, in other relationships, in other connections. But but for me, that was a big thing that I had to not only learn about myself, but really lean into and allow myself to be. Yeah, yeah. When it comes to, you know, children, tell me about, you know, how you impact children inside your home and children outside your home. Well, ours was one of the two homes that was kind of like the hangout house, right? So we moved to Ohio when our children were in, let me see, second grade, fifth grade, and eighth grade, maybe, or something in that range. And so we were moving to a new area. We didn't have friends or family. And for me, I was one of those protective moms. You know, you couldn't just go anywhere and spend the night at people's homes that I didn't know. And so we, my husband and I really made the decision that we wanted our house to be the hangout. It would allow us to get to know their friends. It would allow us to get to know their friends' parents. And we could eventually become comfortable with, you know, this new group of people that our kids would be growing up with. So we bought a house with an unfinished basement. We finished the basement and put a huge movie room in the basement. And we thought, you know, this was in the Midwest. So a lot of snow, a lot of cold nights, you know, this would surely be the place or at least one of the places where our kids and their friends would want to hang out. And it was. And then we had another friend that we met in the neighborhood who had a swimming pool. So the summers, they hung out at her house. The winters, they kind of hung out at our house. And doing that not only allowed us to meet those kids, but those children are still kind of my babies now. One of them is married and about to become a father. And he called his parents and then he immediately called us. Wow. And we have several stories like that of our children's friends. And so I think what we realized was we weren't just doing this for our kids and for us to, you know, get comfortable with who they were with. But we really created an environment that they enjoyed being in so much so that even as our kids left for college, some of their friends that went to local schools, they'd still come by the house to see us. And Mm -hmm. and so, you know, now when I hear from them, I mean, my heart just melts that they 
still think of us in that way. They still call us for advice or they'll still want us to meet the guy or the gal that they're dating and want to know what Mm -hmm. we think. And so I think just creating a space for them to let them know they're welcomed, they're loved, they're not going to be judged really has gone and paid dividends that we weren't even anticipating. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And I'm glad you brought up, you know, kind of being intentional about the space that you're creating, because I think that is, that's huge, you know, for, as you said, your, your children being comfortable and wanting to be, you know, there, but then also wanting to bring their friends, right? Bring other children, you know, in the cool place to be. And so that is wonderful that you, you know, were able to create that with, you know, with your family. Yeah, it was, it was intentional. And, you know, we weren't quite sure how that was going to go. You know, we just weren't sure if the kids would, you know, want to come over or if our kids would want to even bring their friends. You know, everybody's kind of like, mom, you know, no, don't ask that question. But I was that mom. I'm going to ask a couple of questions. I'm going to I'm going to dive in a little bit. So it ended up working out well. That's awesome. That's awesome. And you bring up, you know, the idea or the, you know, the stage of of parenting for teens. And I know I have had some friends and listeners specifically, you know, ask about that. And, you know, mine are, my kids right now are seven and 10. So they're kind of in, you know, just getting, approaching that tween, you know, time. And, and so, you know, having teens is a, is a special time, you know, from what I, from what I hear and see, you know, especially in my work. So any, any other advice for, you know, teen moms, especially, you you know, know, in addition to that, that hangout? you know, home idea? You know, it's parenting teens is not for cowards. <laughs> it's just not. It It is, you know, it's one of those things where you're going to go to bed crying some nights. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to wish you did something different. You're going to wish maybe you responded a little bit differently. But, you know, it's much like I said before, you know, as soon as we feel like we understand how to parent them in one stage, they've now graduated to the next stage. And so, you know, having teenagers who really want their independence and they want to do what they want to do and they want to speak and have a voice and be heard, it's important to allow for that, but Mm -hmm. still with some boundaries, Mm -hmm. right? Yes, you can express how you feel, but it's got to be done respectfully. You know, yes, you can take the car and drive to school or drive to your friend's house, but you need to text me and let me know when you arrive, So, Mm -hmm. you know, I tried to allow for those moments of growth and that space, but there were still some boundaries because they were still growing. They were still experiencing and experimenting. They weren't, you know, prepared to take those things on without that kind of support or boundary in place. So I would say, you know, allow for that, you know, my husband and I would describe it like setting up a box and then just letting them bump around in that box all they want. (laughs) Right. So here's, here's the walls. You can do whatever you want right within that box. So, you know, giving them some of that space, but still allowing them to understand the importance of the connection that we still have to have. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, adolescence is, you know, that, that normal developmental stage where children, like you mentioned, do want their independence, the the brain and the executive functioning, you know, sides of the brain, the higher reasoning and goal, you know, setting and decision making are all 
uh, what we call a construction zone. You know, it's really evolving and kind of the, the biggest jump that it'll make in their their cognitive development. And so it, it's, yeah, normal and natural, as you said, for them to want to test out you know, their independence and try new things, but it is still in under construction, you know, as you said, and they still yes, do. Very much so. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So they still do containment. <laughs> and what, you know, isn't it better for them to bump against those walls under your care than out in the world somewhere? So tr- that's exactly how we saw it. You were like, you know what, we'd rather them make the mistakes here where we can maybe support them and help them as opposed to having them on such a lockdown and then they leave for college and they're just like, oh my gosh. Um, but you know, the other thing I would say is ask more questions than give instruction mm-hmm. as they get to that age. So as they're coming to you with, well, I don't know what to do about this or this particular thing has happened as opposed to immediately giving them the answer mm-hmm. or the, fix. You know, the solution. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ask them a question. Well, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a real problem. What are you, how are you thinking about handling that? So mm-hmm. it requires them to think. Uh, I remember when my oldest, my daughter left for college, you know, I, I began to get a little flustered. I thought, you know, there's so much I haven't told her still that mm-hmm. I need, I need time. More time. And my husband, <laughs> I need more time. And my husband said to me, we've given her the gift of how to think. Mm-hmm. And we've taught her how to process and how mm-hmm. to evaluate. He said, that's the best thing we can give her. We're not going to be able to have every single conversation with her of what life might throw at her, but we've taught her how to think it through. Yeah. Yeah. How to be a problem solver is huge. And so that is, that is incredible you know, reminder to keep at the forefront of our parenting for tweens and teens is, yeah, asking the questions and almost coaching them, right, to get to their, you know, their their own solution or getting to their own outcome that, you know, may not be perfect and may may still need some work, right. but right. they have, have gone through some of the steps to get there. Yeah, great. Yeah, very true. Yes. And so, you know, with all that's been going on in the world right now and all that continues to go on around race, racial relationships, anti-racism, you know, how did you talk to your children about race and empathy? And you can, for those who are listening, you can share, you know, your kind of ethnic background since they don't see you like I see you. But then, you know, also how you raised your children with an understanding of, of that. So I'm African-American. My husband's African-American. And, you know, our children were raised in an environment that was not super diverse. And so one of the things that we purposed to do was to find other environments like church and sports and other recreational activities that were very diverse because we wanted, we say, we would say this to each other, we want our kids to be as comfortable on the basketball court as they are in the boardroom. We don't want them to feel out of place or in either. We want them to be really comfortable with who they are as African-American children, but we want them to be confident in who they are and what they know that they can literally take that shower, change clothes and walk right into the boardroom and be as confident. And so it was important for us to make sure that their exposure to different people, different socioeconomic groups, people of different levels of education, but that they were exposed to people who were different than them, whatever different means for you or whatever different looks like for you based on where you are 
and who you are and to also have relationships with people different. I always ask people, when you have people over your house for dinner, when you are hosting a dinner party or cookout, what does that gathering look like? Because many times we'll expect that our children should have this diverse group of friends, but as parents, we don't, right? Kids do as we do, not as we say. So we really have to think about what am I showing them? What is my example to them? Because regardless of what I say, that's what they're going to do. So, you know, for us, conversations about race were normal and often it, it wasn't like having the talk, right? It was, it was part of our every day, every week. It, it was, and, and still to this day with adult children, it's really, really cool now though, because mm-hmm. they have their own view of what should or shouldn't be happening. And they now have the means and the time to support that, how they choose. So it's, it's, it's ongoing and it's always, and I think it should be for every family. I don't think this is a one-time conversation. It should be ongoing and always. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the things that we can be more yeah, deliberate about coming out of 2020, I think is, you know, how all, you know, the, the conversations around race go. I think for some families, you know, it's, it's, it's automatic, like it's been happening because we don't necessarily have the, the choice, right? There are situations that come up and we, we have to talk about it. But I think, and what I, I hope and pray for is that more families are talking and being intentional about the conversations that they have, you know, at the dinner table, in the car, who their friends are, who they choose to spend time with and not spend time with. Um, and that is a part of what's going to make this world better. What's going to change kind of the dynamics that we are contending with. Absolutely is. And, you know, and it's got to be age appropriate, right? I could mm-hmm. have a different mm-hmm. conversation with my 15 year old than I would be willing to have with my five year old. So you want it age appropriate, but I use the acronym love when I'm talking with parents about how to talk to their kids about race, the LBN language, you know, making sure that what we're saying is actually true, right? We can't change the past. We can't pretty it up. It is what it is. So age appropriate truth. The O is for owning their voice and, and really giving them a space and an opportunity to know that they can and should step up and speak up when they see a wrong being committed. The V is values, making sure that your family values are really being placed in them so that when they're not in your presence, that's what's coming out of them. Mm -hmm. And then the E is for empathy and understanding that it's, you know, we have to be more than just sorry something is happening to a group of people. What do we now do? How do I Mm -hmm. um, understand their experience and be able to then do something about it? That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Uh, you know, language, words are really powerful. And, you know, the old adage, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but ne- words will never hurt me. You know, I, I think we know now, that, you know, how damaging and how and how uplifting, you know, words can be. So pointing, you know, thinking and reflecting about how our own language is super important and helping children, you know, find their language, too, and their own voice for how to speak about it is is incredible. And empathy, oh, that's so huge. You know, our values, you know, hopefully we're, we're sharing that with them through a church or through, you know, community involvement or through service, volunteering, and, and, and through, as you said, 
what we do and how what they see us doing. But empathy is something that sometimes we do need to to extend and and to talk more deeper about with our children because children are by design self focused and self you know yes. driven, right? And so thank you for for that kind of L O V E you know reminder of you know how to to talk to and and support our children. Yeah, anything else about that before we move on into the practical food conversation? <laughs> uh, no, I think, I, you know, we could, I could talk about the whole race thing all day, especially with what has, you know, some of the recent things that have yeah. been happening. But I, yeah. I think my biggest encouragement would be to parents, you know, sometimes when we're afraid or we're not sure what to say, we almost are like the deer in headlights. So we say nothing. Yeah. And I would just really encourage parents to really step into what's uncomfortable about that. Because as your child sees you do it, they'll do it, right? You don't, we, we cannot raise a generation that is so uncomfortable with it that they don't talk about it. I think we've had too many years of that already. So right. let it be uncomfortable, step into it anyway. Yeah, yes, yes, thank you. And I think this year is, is a unique you know, chance to do that. And I shared earlier uh, with you before we started talking about renew and the idea of kind of having a theme at Moms Changing the World for the year. And, you know, this reminds me of that. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what renew means for you? Yeah. You know, when I first, when you sent it to me, the first thing that came to mind was the prefix, you know, the re and, and how that means again and again, over and over, repeat it. So again, it's just the theme of um, as as moms, we've got to remember that I've got to renew myself, spirit, mind, and body. There there are a lot of pulls on us right now as mothers. Not you know, it's not just that we're moms. It's not just that we're wives, or not just that we're working, but that we're working at home. That everyone's there together. That mm-hmm. that I'm also having to supervise virtual learning. There's so much required of us as moms that we have to be able to step away to renew ourselves so that we have something to give, right? If I'm constantly giving and not allowing, you know, for me, it would be the spirit of God pouring back into me, but whatever you, you know, for you is, is, is working or is that opportunity for you to feel refreshed and uh, revived and, you know, poured into whatever that, that deep self-care is for you, if you're not doing that on a regular basis, we'll oftentimes find ourselves that we're a little terse, we're a little sharp with our responses, we're a little less patient. And for me, that was always a sign like, okay, I need a minute. It's time, it's mm-hmm. time for me to just mm-hmm. kind of, you take know, pull break. back and take those mm-hmm. days that I need exactly. So I, I just thought that that word was so perfect, especially for right now. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And one of the roles and the pulls on us is feeding our children, feeding our families, feeding ourselves. And so it what when you were, you know, raising your children, you know, what were some of the go-to, you know, meals and some of the strategies that you would employ around that? You know, I would always tease my family and say, I only cook because we have to eat. Like, I'm not (laughs) one of those people that just loves being in the kitchen and loves, like, I'm not that girl. Right. Um, right. And that's okay. So for me, yeah, look, we're all healthy. We're all doing well. So, you know, um, but for me, it was about simplicity. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it had to be things that I have on hand and I have on hand frequently. I loved many of the one pot or one pan meals. Casseroles were great. And my go-to, I would say my kids would laugh at this, but my go-to was some type of chicken in some type of preparation and roasted mm-hmm. vegetables. Yeah. Um, one, because they loved roasted vegetables. So if, you know, anytime I could get healthy in them, I would cook that every day. It, you know, it right. didn't matter if they liked it right. and it was healthy every day. Yeah. And then chicken, because you can cook it so many different ways. ways yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so for me, those were, that was kind of my go-to chicken and a roasted vegetable or a chicken soup or, mm-hmm. you know, some type of chicken stew, um, but yeah, my husband's the cook. He he loves it. He, he, he loves <laughs> and actually enjoys cooking, it. So yeah, I'm mm-hmm. blessed in that way he that my husband it. also enjoys cooking. But yeah, Isn't you know, that with wonderful. The, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so with the uh, the roasting of vegetables, I found you know that it's been even easier. You know that foil lined um, baking sheet or roasting pan. You know you put that foil in there, and all you have to do is like wipe down the pan when you're done. Like you're not scrubbing off the stains and stuff. And I thought you know that you know done. the less cleaning that we can do, <laughs> the better. Done. And then my husband would throw the chicken on the grill, you know, mostly. So cleanup was, you know, super easy. It was quick. It's a quick meal ready in about 20 minutes. And, you know, when we're zipping around or, you know, trying to, you know, have at least a couple of nights a week where we're all at the table together, you know, yes. back in, in the days when we were still running around and trying to get to everything. And so, yeah, but that would, that would kind of be my, my, my background in cooking. Go to yes, yes, and um, yeah. Just this weekend, speaking of chicken, we did. I did a soup, and in uh, Ghana, my home country, mm-hmm. we do uh, peanut butter soup. And I, I haven't done it often, but I, I think it's my children love it. You can put some vegetables in there as well, and so mm-hmm. that you know, a chicken, a good chicken soup recipe can be a quick and easy go to, especially if you've got an Instapot or you know you kind of do your yes. meal prep, you know, ahead of time. Then you can just warm it up when you're ready to go. So thanks for that. And what yeah. about snacks? Or you can even cook it at night, you know, and wake up in the morning and you've got and this ready. great smelling meal that's already that's prepared. Right. So yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. What about snacks? Any tips so on snacks, the snack front? Yeah. I'm a bit of a chocoholic and I actually <laughs> pass that down to my kids. So, so yeah, we really like chocolate. Yeah, um, yes, so yeah, anything chocolate would bring a smile to everybody's face, but you know, <laughs> I, I tried to always keep, you know, a couple of things in mind that or in the house that I knew they loved. They loved grapes. They loved watermelon and they loved oranges. So yeah. those were always going to be in the house no matter what, but there was definitely a fair amount of chocolate in the house too. <laughs> yes. And you know, you're balancing it out, right? The, the fruit you know, balances out the chocolate <laughs> consumption. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Good. So, you know, I see you as a mom changing the world, you know, using your voice as a mom coach. How do you create balance and find joy in all that you are juggling? You know, for me, the opportunity to support a mom in reconnecting with herself And being able to have the systems and things in place in her home that allow her to go to bed at night without feeling that overwhelming, almost, you know, take your breath away kind of, oh my gosh, I didn't get done half the stuff I needed to, you know, for me, that just gives me great joy. 
just to know that there is one more mom and another kid whose mom is not going to be snapping at them or impatient, but able to really be present because she's taking care of her and she's not neglecting her thinking that that's really what's going to help her family. I think we think sometimes, you know, there's this guilt, right? Well, I can't do that. I can't, I can't, you know, take a couple days away for a staycation for myself. Yeah, you really can with the right mm-hmm. systems in place. So yeah. I, I, I find great joy in that. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. And, you know, maybe you can give us a, a strategy related to something that a lot of families are dealing with right now around virtual learning and distance learning. Even if, you know, my children were fortunate enough to go back for a few weeks, but now again, we've, we, you know, because of how the cases have been, we've had to, you know, kind of go back to the, the distance to learn from home. Is there some strategy or a tip that you could give us around that right now? This is such a hard time. You know, this is not anything that any of us were prepared for. Teachers were not trained on how to teach virtually. I'm sure that will be added to the, you know, the teaching (laughs) curriculum in the future. Now. (laughs) But yeah, exactly. But this is not something any of us were prepared for. So I think the very first thing I would say is give yourself a break. Mm-hmm. Give your kids a break. Give the teacher a break. Um, we've just got to be a little more gracious right now towards everybody, including ourselves, because there are going to be some days that just aren't going to go well. And if you know that your child has reached the maximum of what they can handle for that day, it's okay to be able to say, you know what? Shut it down. We're going for a walk we're going for a bike ride. We're going to go on a virtual field trip, either as a family or suggest it to your child's teacher. But I just Mm -hmm. think that we've got to be uh, willing and able to give ourselves grace and also to know that there are just some days where it's not going to be perfect. And life doesn't have to be amazing. I mean, life doesn't have to be perfect to be amazing. And so let's kind of throw out that whole idea of what perfection is and how to get that. I think it's really a ploy and and kind of a a fallacy. I don't Mm -hmm. don't think perfection Mm -hmm. is real. Uh, I think real life is real. And and so let's kind of do away with the goal of perfection. Let's find those amazing moments every day. And Mm -hmm. and, and let's let's spend time together. Let's just spend time together. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for, you know, speaking to the, you know, recovering perfectionist in me and in many, I think of the moms (laughs) and listeners that are out there in that, you know, and I think, you know, I think for, I think girls in particular can be, can have that, can grow up with that pressure of perfectionism, right. In certain ways. And so that then translates into mothering, right. With the perfectionist, you know, umbrella. Mm-hmm. Which, as you said, is is really a setup because there's no such thing as as perfect, especially That's in right. the imperfect world you know that we live in. And so that's right for for that all important you know reminder that the goal isn't perfect, but amazing, you know, mm-hmm. however we can find it. and mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, as you said, it's being together. It's being a family. it's It's feeling the love and the support and the the joy that we give one another because, because we're there for each other. And so, yes, I think that's a great, great reminder. 
you know, to hold at the forefront, especially when we see our kids reaching their, you know, that, that max point. And, and we do have some opportunities in being right there with them to, to call, you know, call that line and say, send the message to the teacher if we need to or get that extra support. And, you know, I, I will add in at this point too, uh, you know, as someone who works with children who have ADHD and autism and who are in, in anxiety and can be particularly struggling, you know, don't forget that your, your healthcare provider is also there for you. If there is a pattern where your child is really, you know, kind of on a very regular basis, you know, breaking down or it's a constant battle, you know, in the home, don't forget that your, your pediatrician, your nurse practitioner, you know, we're there for you. And there are specialists who have some different tools and resources, you know, in, in the area of development or psychi- psychiatry or psychology uh, to help, you know, about with that as well. That's right. I, you know, it's a strong mother that will, that will do that. You know, we have to mm-hmm. not compare ourselves to others, mm-hmm. right? We see these picture perfect families on Instagram and Pinterest and all these places, like just let, you know, put that out your brain because that's not real either. Those are pictures, but really being able to ask for what you need for yourself and your family. That's not a weakness. That's a strength. And that's a good thing to be able to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And I think that also speaks to, you know, moms who are struggling, you know, right now, I think the longer this all goes on, the more taxed and drained, you know, moms, children, you know, families are. And so it brings us, you know, nicely to where I, I end, you know, all of my episodes with uh, self-care and, uh, uh, in, you know, talking a, a little bit about that. And I think you have some amazing strategies, you know, in this area for us. So, you know, maybe start with what you do for self-care and then what we can think about as moms to incorporate this in our lives, especially with all that's pulling on us. So when my children were younger, one of the ways for me for self-care, I I rejuvenate and renew myself in quiet. I just prefer, you know, some quiet, a book, my journal, my Bible, my devotional book. And that's how I kind of revive and renew. And so on a daily basis, what that looked like really was me getting up before everyone else in the morning when the house was still quiet Mm -hmm. and having those few moments to myself. Some mornings it was 15 minutes, some mornings it was an hour, but it was consistent. It was every day. And it was some moment of time that I had to myself. Another thing that I did often, well, maybe not often, but probably every few months, I would take a couple of days away by myself. I'd leave my husband and the kids and I didn't go far and it didn't break the bank, but I needed, I needed time to myself and they needed me to be away too, because Mm -hmm. they needed to understand the systems and the things that are in place in the home and how they work. They needed that time with their dad and everybody needed to know that the house can function even if I'm not there. Mm-hmm. I think so many times I would go out to lunch with some of my mom friends and their phones would ring off the hook. Like, mom, mm-hmm. I can't find the so-and-so. Honey, where's my this? And I just thought, you know what? They'll find it. They'll find it. It may mm-hmm. take them a little longer, mm-hmm. but they'll, they'll find figure out it they out. Move the milk. <laughs> yeah, if they move the milk, the ketchup <laughs> is behind it. Like it's in. Um, so, you know, I just mm-hmm. like to encourage moms, there are moments that you need to really remove yourself from the home not only for you, but for your family as well. It was important to me that my daughter and and my sons 
saw that as much as I loved them, that their world could not revolve around me or vice versa, right? Because they're going to grow up. They're not going to be kids. They're going to be a wife and a husband. And I needed them to see that this is healthy. This is appropriate. This is not abnormal. This is normal. You're going to need time to yourself. Your spouse will need their quiet time and their personal time as well. So Mm -hmm. um, for me, it was about getting in quiet and taking those moments to really have to myself to be able to kind of renew myself. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And I, I, I think the consistency piece, you know, is is big. And one that I bring up, you know, here, you know, whenever I can, because if if you leave it to the wind, it, the wind will take it away. <laughs> yeah, and we right? like to but say if, things like, "When I find time, you'll right. never find time. Time right. is not sitting around waiting to be found. You have to, <laughs> you have make, to make the time." The time. You have to make, and what we tend to do as moms is we write ourselves in on the calendar in pencil and everybody mm-hmm. else in ink. So we just right. keep erasing ours and moving yeah. it. And then I'll erase, no, yeah. it, it's got to be in ink. And, you know, I think the just other like thing everything else, right? Just like mm-hmm. your child's doctor's appointment, you would never mm-hmm. think about just randomly moving that. No, that's mm-hmm. in ink. You need to be in ink too. And I think we cannot negate the fact that sleep is a form of self care. Mm-hmm. And we've got to figure out, it took me years. I had a really hard time with sleep for, for a chunk of time. And I really, mm-hmm. you know, I finally just had to say, okay, I've got to figure this out because this is not, this is not serving me well. Yeah. And so if you are yeah. that mom that just is struggling with sleep, there are ways to combat that, that don't involve taking drugs. I know there are moms that, you know, people don't want to have to take something all the time to go to sleep, but mm-hmm. you need to address mm-hmm. that with your, with your um, healthcare provider. There are ways to get that, you know, in, you know, in place and get it normal again. Right, right. And yeah, I mean, developmentally, sleep is huge. And I think in this, in this environment where children are home more, they're on screens more, they are not as active and sleep times get, are getting pushed back later and later. You know, it's so crucial that our brain has that downtime to replenish itself, organize, reorganize, get rid of the clutter, focus in and hone in on, on you know, the essential. And we, we grow and rejuvenate, you know, when we sleep. And so I too, you know, took it for granted for way too long. And and still, you know, I'm 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 working on that that piece of prioritizing it, you know, for myself, but for my children, it's always been a priority. And I think if we can model that as well, right? If we can also demonstrate, you know, that we are prioritizing sleep and it's important for us, I think it'll solidify that even more, you know, for our children in these times. You know, one of my, uh, you've done some wonderful Facebook live series and one of my favorites had to do with uh, SELF, the acronym SELF. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So I use that acronym in talking about self-care, the S being what we were just talking about, sleep, mm-hmm. and the E being exercise. Uh, and I think sometimes we think exercise means gym membership or, you know, something that's burdensome, really exercising can be taking a walk around the block around your neighborhood, Mm -hmm. right? It Mm -hmm. does not have to be something that adds any kind of financial or burdensome in time, but we've got to find these moments where we can exercise. I know a lady that when she is getting ready in the morning, that is her exercise routine while she's brushing her 
routines. She does a bunch of squats or, Mm -hmm. you know, so she's got this whole thing that just kind of fits into her morning routine, but we've got to make that fit. We've got to find the place for that. L is for love. We've got to remember the importance of loving ourselves because if our children hear us saying things like, oh my gosh, I'm so fat. Oh my gosh, I'm so this, or, you know, those things, children have a way of really internalizing that. And so we want to be able to, yeah, they do. And then, and then sometimes somehow they make it their fault. Right. So, (laughs) um, you know, I was really particular about not saying, well, you know, even jokingly, well, it's because of you that I can't lose these 10 pounds or I got this extra Mm -hmm. weight from being pregnant. Like I just was real Mm -hmm. intentional about, you know, I didn't want to open that door at all. And then, um, so being able to, to love yourself and, you know, allow Mm -hmm. your children to be able to hear that and be able to understand that, you know, we come in different sizes, right? Everybody's not meant to be a size two. There's nothing wrong Mm -hmm. with being a size two, but everyone will not be built in that way. And it's Mm -hmm. okay. And then the F being twofold for fuel and for fun. What are you putting in? You know, what are you using to fuel your body? How, you know, is it, is it providing what your body needs? And Mm -hmm. and we just got to have more fun. We got to laugh more, (laughs) you know, as much as we've got so many things we're trying to do and so many balls we're trying to keep in the air and, you know, sometimes just having a good old laugh, my kids and I occasionally would play like jacks or something, you know, I, I teach them an old school, you know, game, game. or yeah. toy or something. And they'd be like, what in the world? You guys did this for hours? This is ridiculous, you know, but just have fun. Just That's have fun. Right. Yeah, yeah. Some of the the yeah, most fun I've had with my kids is like you know playing charades or hopscotch. You know, to kind of teaching them how we would spend hours. You know, playing uh, hopscotch and jump rope and things like that. And so sometimes, yeah, that low tech fun can harken us back to you know our childhood, but but pass it on to our children. You know, as well to to enjoy. Yeah, great. Absolutely. Great. So, my, my, my youngest son was really young. He would say, Mom, what kind of games did you guys play in the olden days? And I'd be like, Ooh, <laughs> right. wait a minute. With the dinosaurs. <laughs> wait, right. Like, wait a minute. Wait, let's not say that. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. That's great. That's great. Good. Well, as we're, you know, wrapping up, you know, thank you so much for all of the you know, the great insights that you've provided. Is there any, you know, closing words that you would like to share as we're wrapping up today? Oh, it's been my pleasure. You are so easy to talk to. This has been great. I think that the last thing that I'll leave moms with is another form of self-care is being able to say the word no mm-hmm. without guilt. Mm-hmm. And I like to say that the word no is a complete sentence. And I think mm-hmm. as moms, often we feel like we have to explain why we're saying no. If someone's asking us to do something or be somewhere or be available for, for something, it's really okay to just say, I'm unavailable. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. not available to help with that this year. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's a school commitment or, you know, mm-hmm. they need you to do, I'm just unavailable. Mm-hmm. And so just remembering that you, you can do that and, mm-hmm. and it's really okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, having things and time and schedules kind of slow down in you know in the recent months has been a real eye opener for how our time and our yeah our, our resources can be deplenished de- you know de- de- diminished right um, just so quickly by just True. being overscheduled and being overcommitted 
and it, um, it, and it, you know, it's very, it can be very draining and we teach our children, you know, that this, this, uh, imbalance, right. Uh, of life, that way of life that isn't really sustainable and isn't healthy, you know, for mental health and for, you know, just, just kind of pacing ourselves. And so, right, because you know, long says, term, we can't keep that up, term. you know, that, yeah. that that's yeah. very difficult to do, you know, for, for a long period of time. So it is, it is. So thank you so much for that reminder. Thank and you. it's a muscle that a lot of us need to practice is the, the muscle of, you know, saying no. And as hard as it is, it can give you back so much of your time, so much of your life, so much of your, you know, your dreams back, right. Uh, when you can get things back into balance in that way. Yeah, great. Great. Very so true. yeah, Deborah, tell us how people can get a hold of you if they'd like to reach out and find out more about, you know, some of the great tools and strategies and systems you have. That would be great. So, I'm on Instagram, Mom's Mentoring Circle is the name. You can find me on Instagram as well as on Facebook, but I would love to invite any moms to our Facebook group. It's called Habits of Confident Moms. And I'd love to have you in. And we, we pretty much talk weekly about different habits and things that confident moms are adopting in ways to support their family and themselves. So either Facebook, Instagram, or both, I'd love to have them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm there on Facebook as well with you and the habits uh, page. I love to see the things that pop up and the conversations that we have there are very, very helpful. So yes, thank you so much for joining us and yeah, we'll, we'll talk soon. Thank you. This has been great. Thanks for having me. Yeah. for listening to Moms Changing the World with host Akua Walker. The information shared on this show is meant for educational purposes only and not intended as a substitute for medical intervention or professional therapy. All views shared on the show are that of the speakers only and do not represent any institution. To be a part of the community, visit www.momschangingtheworld.org. There you'll find ways to connect with and support the moms we interview. Join us next time for more encouragement and support to be a mom changing the world, one child at a time, one day at a time. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks for listening.